grab your Bibles, look in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Uh, while you're turning there, just want to just uh, put a plug in real quick. Looking forward to this Wednesday uh, and the following Wednesday, we're going to have Brother Corey LaValle uh, preaching this coming Wednesday. And the following Wednesday, we're looking forward to hearing Brother Travis Witcher and some of his, our youth, are, I think, are going to be helping him with the service that night. And so, anyways, looking forward to a great couple of Wednesday nights. You don't want to miss that. And we'll jump back into our Philippians series after those, uh, those two things are going on. Uh, in the book of First Thessalonians, we have been looking over the last um, several months about uh, the triumphant church, and we have gone for the last nearly four whole ch- chapters as we have just uh, taken verse by verse and looked and seen how God used this church in a mighty way and the great instruction that Paul gave to the church in Thessalonica and the importance that, that uh, we can truly be triumphant in, uh, in our church, in our home, in our life. And as he comes to this particular part of the the subject here, we see this is going to be a recurring theme, not just for the remainder of 1 Thessalonians, but even into 2 Thessalonians. And I saw last week there was quite a bit of questions, comments, and interaction, and I appreciate that. And I want you to know that some of those questions you had are going to be uh, answered when we get into 2 Thessalonians because Paul answers a lot of the questions about what happens um, to someone who heard the gospel, but they... uh, uh, but they were never saved. What happens at, to them after the rapture? Will they have an opportunity to be saved? We'll answer that. Uh, that all comes in Second Thessalonians as we took at look at Second Thessalonians chapter two and other places like that. So I want to just encourage you uh, that uh, we're just going to take this a piece at a time and just look at each of these. And I'm just thankful for uh, each of you that you've been able to just stay in and plugged in and just be able to walk through this with us and just be able to see God uh, do great work and grow in us. Now. There's no doubt in my mind that people today are very interested in prophecy, especially right now. Right now, I think we all have a great interest. Matter of fact, I, I just appreciate uh, some of the books now that I've read in the past, but now that I'm reading again uh, on prophecy, signs of prophecy, and different things of that nature, and some of the things that uh, that I'm able to glean a little bit more from, from uh, as a result of our prophecy conference, as a result of just further study. And I want to just encourage you, Revelation 1-3 reminds us that Revelation is the only book of the Bible that promises a blessing for those that read and study it. What a great blessing that is. And so what I want to just share with you a quote I read from uh, Dr. David Jeremiah's book, uh, The Book of Signs. I just was perusing through some of that as I prepared for this message. And and I just wanted to share with you this. He said, seeing these signs played out in the news, on television, over the Internet, and even in our lives, our own lives, can cause despair, anxiety, and confusion. Not just because of the world situation, but also over our concern for those who do not know the Lord and could be left behind to face the tribulation. But when Jesus told us to open our eyes, he did so to encourage us to gaze upon him. Not because this world this will cause all the world's problems and ours to disappear, but because he is the Prince of Peace. And so as we look at this, let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus Christ. Let's keep our attention on him. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is our Prince of Peace. And so let's be encouraged from that this evening. And so as we look together, I want to just uh, read with you 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. This is the context of what we've been studying the last uh, three weeks. And as we we go through this, I just want to just encourage you to read all of these with me uh, there in your home with me. Verse 13 says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. 
For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Amen and amen. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for uh, just the, being able to be in the Word of God. Thank you for uh, this, this passage tonight, Lord, and just being able to grow uh, through the teaching that you have shared with us. And I thank you, Lord, uh, that um, you've made this possible for us. Lord, we give you the praise and we give you the glory. And we ask you now that you would help us to open our eyes and to see you. Lord, I just was thinking of our, our great uh, men's uh, prayer meeting this morning. And Lord, just as a by way of reminder, we wanted to ask our men to keep their eyes upon the Lord, just like Elisha encouraged his servant. And so may you help us to open our eyes and see the wondrous things that you are doing. Lord, uh, that we would shake off the cares of this world and just have the peace that passes all understanding now. In Jesus' name, amen. So we look here through these pages of Thessalonians, we see that uh, we can put our confidence in God. Every step of this, every, everything that we've gone through together, we see that God has wanted to grow our faith in him, our confidence in him. And we can know beyond any shadow of a doubt that when we uh, breathe our last, that we will be with him. And that's a, that's a great comfort because the reality is when Paul wrote these words, they were intended to bring comfort. For some it brings anxiety, but, the, the, but Paul, through the inspiration of the Spirit, said, wherefore comfort one another with these words. Listen, these were intended to bring comfort to the believer. And, and so as we're looking forward with great anticipation to all that's going to happen, may we also uh, look forward to the day when we see our Savior face to face. And I'm looking forward to that day, and I just am so thankful for that moment. And as we look here in verse number 17, we see that Paul says, then we, now I just want to back up just a little bit as by way of just reminder in verse 16, uh, we had looked at the fact that he reminded them that the dead in Christ shall rise first. There will be that resurrection. And just as Jesus Christ was resurrected, so we have the promise that we too will be resurrected. And so I want you to see that Jesus reminds us here, and as he, as he speaks to the believers today, that he says, listen, you will one day, that all those that are dead in Christ shall be resurrected. Then we. Who's he talking to? The those that are alive. And so I want you to see first the, those that are raptured together here in this. Because there's great comfort for us in knowing this. And, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, as I talk to Christians everywhere, I see more and more Christians who are listening for the shout. They're ready for that trumpet to blow. They're ready to be able to meet the Lord in the air and uh, so shall we ever be with the Lord. And boy, what a blessing, what a comfort that is, because we're looking for him. And I want you to see that Paul says it's for all believers. Verse number uh, 17 says, then we. Now, I stop here on purpose because it says the, the word we, he is in, in, incorporating himself. It's this, this is, uh, he is living in eager anticipation of Christ's return. There's some that have scoffed at his return. There's some that have said, well, it's not going to happen yet. But I want you to see that he says, listen, all believers need to be ready tonight. All believers need to be uh, ready for that moment, that 
twinkling of an eye that, that when Christ will call us up and we will be caught up together to meet him in the air. And so the rapture is always presented to us as being imminent. It's not something that a series of events has to happen, but something that is imminent that can happen at any time. And so we see that, that as Paul writes, that no believers will be left behind. There are some that espouse a partial rapture theory. And so what they believe is that some people who, are, who claim to be Christians will not be caught up at the moment of the rapture. And these are people who are traditionally uh, pre-tribulationists. And so uh, they would have a similar view except for this. And so this is based upon Luke chapter 21 and verse number 36. This says, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. And so they're basing their partial rapture theory upon a false understanding and misinterpretation of the Scripture. And so as we look here, we see that, that, that Paul is saying and showing that, listen, then we, not then some of us, but he said, then we, all of us, shall be able to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And, and what a great comforting thing to know that all of us, now those who hold to the rapture theory would hold that those who are not looking for, those who are not expecting, those who are, uh, are, are uh, maybe uh, dallying in the world would not be caught up to meet the Lord. But Paul says expressly, then we, all Christians. He was talking to Christians in the church in Thessalonica. And then today, the Lord has allowed us to understand that we today shall be looking for it. All of us, every one of us. And this is a great thing because we see that it could be at any time. Really, I'm looking forward to this, like today. I'm ready that today God would call us home. And listen, there's many positions regarding this event. And we see we have people who are all millennialists. We have people who are post-millennialists. We have people that are pre-millennialists. And we have those that believe in a mid-tribulation rapture and those who preach a post-tribulation rapture and those who herald even uh, a, a, a pre-trib rapture. And I just want to say that uh, as we look at these, all these different belief systems, I just want to narrow it down. I'm not going to go into all the scopes of the different ones and all that they believe and who believes them. Tonight, I just want to focus on what we believe and why. And so, But let me just say this, and I left it in your notes if you downloaded them off the Internet. Any position on the second coming of Christ that takes the edge off of our ex, uh, expectancy and intrudes all kinds of prior events between the believer and the rapture is a wrong position. The element of surprise is a key element in the New Testament. And God, and I just want you to see some of these scriptures you'll see on, on the screen here, and we're just going to fire them at you and just share with you some of these one right after another as we talk about and we share some of these key things uh, that, that God says, because he says, listen, we need to watch, we need to be ready, because these are going to, uh, this is what we're expecting. First off, Matthew 24, 44. He says, therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Again, that idea of being ready. Matthew 24 and verse 36, a few verses later. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That expectation that it could be at any moment that we don't even know when it will be. Mark chapter 13 and verse 33. Take ye heed, watch, and pray, for you know not when the time is. Matthew 24, 43. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Again, we see this, this idea that in each of these, 
that uh, the expect, uh, expectancy is there. At any moment, Christ could come. And then verse uh, Mark chapter uh, 13 and verse 35, Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, or at even, or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. And finally, Luke chapter 21 and verse 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Over and over, we see this importance here of, of that Christ's return, that the rapture is at any moment. Now, forgive me, I don't mean to confuse the two. The rapture and the second coming of Christ are not the same event. Uh, we're dealing with the rapture tonight, and that's the very next thing that we anticipate coming. The second coming will be following the tribulation, and we know the time of that. And so we'll share that in just a moment. So Christ has then, because we don't know the hour, we don't know the day, we don't know when it is, and anyone that proclaims to know when it will be, I, I would just encourage you to steer clear of them because Christ instructed the church to be prepared. We don't know when. If we knew when, we would all wait until the last minute to get everything done. You know, because that's our nature. And so just like a, a bride that awaits the return of a bridegroom, we ought to be prepared for any moment of our groom's return. Any moment Christ could come back, are you ready? Are you ready to meet him? So in contrast to the return of Christ, which is the second return at the end of the, the tribulation, uh, and uh, we see that this is going to be dated seven years following uh, the Antichrist treaty with Israel. Literally at 1,260 days uh, after the breaking of the treaty. And so we see Daniel chapter 9. I want to share a couple of scripture with you out of Daniel uh, where we understand that there's 69 weeks and we're waiting for the 70th week. He says, And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, not uh, for himself and the people of the prince that shall come to destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with flood, and unto the end of the war, war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Listen, there's a, there's a difference uh, here. And this is what, what we understand is that though we don't know the beginning of the rapture, don't we know, don't know when that will happen. We know when the tribulation will begin is at the signing of the peace treaty with the Antichrist in Israel. Then we know seven years later that will be the second coming of Christ. We know those things, but we don't know when the rapture will be. And so he doesn't give us a time, and nor can we expect to have one, because even Christ said, I don't even know that time. And so here we stand today in a place that we must be prepared, because it can be at any moment. So the rapture of a, of a church is secret. We, do know, uh, it, we don't know its hour, its day, its year, its season, or e even what, uh, what time it will be. John, J. Dwight Pentecost stated, The literal method of interpretation consistently employed can lead to no other conclusion than that the church will be raptured before the 70th week. Another, uh, another man named Harrison states this, let us be clearly in mind the nature of the tribulation, that it is divine wrath and divine judgment. We know that our blessed Lord bore for us the wrath of God and his judgment. Therefore, we who are in him shall not come into judgment. And this is just the antithesis of 1 Thessalonians 5.9 in conclusive evidence. And I want to show you that verse right now, verse Thessalonians 5.9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation 
by our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if believers were to go through the tribulation, then this verse would be wrong because we would be enduring the wrath of God. But he said that as a result of my faith in Christ, I will not endure the wrath of God nor the tribulation. So the, the reality is, is that people get tired of we get tired of waiting, and we talk about waiting a lot right now. It seems like a, every time I turn around, I'm, we're waiting. I just had a great conversation with one, of the, with one of our young couples this afternoon, and as I was just encouraging and chatting with them, he said, uh, quite honestly, Pastor, we're getting bored, uh, you know, and we've been painting walls and doing different things. And I said, I understand the waiting is difficult. And, but it's in this waiting that God wants to invest in your life. And it's in this waiting that I want to encourage you not to lose hope. Don't lose hope. Don't think that just because he hasn't come that he's not coming. And so the Lord elaborated uh, on this in, in this in, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 38. He said, and if he should come in the second watch or in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. Now, I want to just say it's easy to grow complacent after a while when you're waiting on something. Uh, you ever been at a stoplight and you're waiting on the stoplight to turn and you're waiting on your stoplight to turn and you're waiting on the stoplight to turn. And if you're like me, you pick up your phone. What email haven't I checked? What text message haven't I replied back to? What, voice, what voicemail did I miss? And you pick it up while you're waiting on that, that thing to turn. Why? Because you've lost hope that it's ever going to turn. You know, you're like, man, I just hate to sit here. And sometimes people seem to be waiting so long that they have just stopped anticipating the Lord's return. The first watch has some of the preceding day's alertness in it. Think about this. The early time we see that, that you're, you're waiting, you're anticipating. And John Phillips says that, uh, that the fourth watch has the approach of the day's expectancy about it. The second and third watch, however, he says, are when wakefulness and watchfulness are at their lowest ebb. Man, think about this. Think about the Middle Ages with me in with the church. He says this. He says, in the Middle Ages, the church fell sound asleep. It was in the midnight watch that Peter slept, and at the cock crowing that he so sadly denied his Lord. It was in the fourth watch of the night, the morning watch, that Jesus came to the disciples to save them from the storm. And John also adds that immediately the boat was at the land whither they were going. It was the morning watch that the Lord looked out from the pillar of fire upon the advancing Egyptian hosts, and when their judgment fell. You see, there's something special about the morning watch. I, I just I think about some of those old songs, Meet Me in the Morning, or one of those other ones that, that uh, we just love to sing, and we think about that glorious day when we will see our Savior. Oftentimes we think it will be in the morning. The Lord could come at any moment, and, and at any time in the last 2,000 uh, years, he could have come. He could have come in any of the night watches, and it would seem that right now we're in the last watch, in this last time before Christ's return. Are you ready? Has our alertness been renewed? Has our watchfulness and awareness of all that is happening, are we ready for his come because the Lord could come at any moment and he could come now but you see that we are looking forward to be raptured together but we also see that there will be rejoicing together what great rejoicing there will be and that's what he writes here in first Thessalonians four seventeen. then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds 
to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Listen, as he writes this last half of verse 17 and 18, there's great comfort, there's rejoicing, there's opportunities for us to be able to say, man, isn't God good in all that he's done? Today, we, I just rejoice in, in God's work today. Uh, from, from the services to the prayer time to even our time of drive-through uh, Sunday as we just were able to, to minister to one another, to be encouraged by one another, be strengthened by one another. I just I give God the praise and the glory for the work that He's done in allowing us to rejoice together. And we'll see that initially we're going to be able to rejoice in the rapture. Now, this word rejoice uh, or rapture is not found in the, in the New Testament. You'll, obviously, you've heard that. The word, though, is caught up is where we get the word rapture. And it's harpazo, which literally means to snatch away. It has this, uh, it's used to describe uh, a couple events in the Bible. And I want to use these kind of as an illustration to see how this moment will, will, what it will look like, what will we will experience. Could you imagine? I hope and pray that God allows me to be alive at that moment of rapture. Just to be able to be here when I get caught up and snatched up and snatched away. This is what happens. Think about Philip when he was there ministering to the Ethiopian eunuch. In Acts chapter 8 and verse number 39, we see that he uses the same word, harpazo, uh, to, to illustrate this. It says, and when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Same word, same illustration here. And then also Paul's uh, rapturous experience when he was uh, translated in verse, uh, chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 2. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven. Same word here that he uses, caught up, snatched away. Uh, and the meaning of the word includes the idea of the events being ac- accomplished suddenly and oftentimes by force. And so this word conveys the idea of a loving reaching out. Consider that. Consider the fact that God is reaching out lovingly to us. He's taking hold. He's lifting us up. I think of old uh, Psalms chapter 40 where David said, and he grabbed hold of me out of that miry pit. And he pulled my feet that were stuck in the clay up out of that pit. And he set my feet upon the rock. That's what we're talking about. That snatching up, that catching away, that bringing us out of the dirge here and bringing us to the glories of heaven. Man, what a glorious thing it will be. But it's also used in other ways. For example, the word is used of the soul winners pulling the lost souls, the lost people, out of the fire. In Jude chapter 1, in verse number 23, it says, And others, save with fear, pulling, catching up, or, or uh, caught up, them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by flesh. And so we see here that same word. It's, it's, you just find that there is great hope in this word. There's great excitement about this moment. And when, when God snatches away, it's not going to be a jerk like, we, uh, like a, a parent would jerk a child in a line. But instead, he's, he's reaching down in love and he's saying, come and be with me. Won't that be a glorious thing? Won't that be tremendous when the Father of, of heaven, when our Abba Father looks down and says, come on now, won't you come and be with me? Man, what a glorious picture we have here. But then... We see that it's not just in that way it's used, but there's also used in a contrasting setting. A setting in which it's used to describe the activity of Satan who comes along and he snatches away 
the good seed that is sown in the heart of those who hear the word of God but are too careless about his truth. And so Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 19. He says, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the, the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown uh, in his heart. This is he which receiveth seed by the wayside. And so we see that same idea, that catching or stealing away. But, but when it's in, used in, in the, the frame of God's intent, we see this loving embrace, this desire to, to bring his child up to be with him. What a glorious, glorious thing it will be. What a tremendous day when we see our Savior face to face. When we finally get to experience that blissful moment when we're raptured to be with Him. And truly, it will be rapture. Truly, it will be something divine as we see our Lord and Savior. And as we see this, we see that there is going to be rejoicing together in that resurrection. So we see that not only will the Lord, we meet the Lord in the air, but will we meet them who have gone on before us in the air as well. Verse number 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Together with who? Together with those he talked about in verse 16, of course, and with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we, we, both of us, both those that have gone before and those currently living when the rapture happens. He says, we shall be, uh, uh, we, we ever, we shall ever be with the Lord. And so we see that there is a glorious moment when we're caught up together. And all those resurrected saints, and later in Revelation, Paul elaborates on, on the changes that will take place with our natural bodies. We see, as a matter of fact, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 54, and I'm not going to read the entire text, but I encourage you to, to take and read 1 Thessalonians. Corinthians 15, 35 through 54. Take some time and read about all that God is going to do to bring us from this vile uh, into something glorious. From this that is decrepit, this that uh, walks with a limp or a gimp uh, and is set right on brand new feet and brand new legs. What a glorious thing God will do. And then Paul adds that our body will be like Christ's resurrected body in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21. He said, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And then John agrees in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Wow. What a glorious, rapturous moment this will be. And with all this in mind, Paul finishes this, this section with, Wherefore, as a result of this truth, comfort one another. You see, there's great comfort for the believer today. You see, for us, this moment is going to be a, a, just a truly divine moment where we get to spend eternity with the Lord. If you were to take uh, just, uh, just a mixture of materials, and you had maybe some gold and some silver and some iron and she said some copper. And you were to scatter it over a large acre of field. And, and you, were to, uh, you were to desire then to gather in all the iron pieces. Well, then you would take an, a simply take an, a, a magnet. And you would run that magnet over the field. And you would find that that magnet picks up all the iron. And it leaves behind all the gold and all the copper and all the silver and all the other things that weren't of like kind it would leave behind. 
You know, in the same way, that's what will happen when Jesus comes. You see, because in the same way, when Christ comes again, He's going to gather up all those who are like Him. Not, not necessarily in, in because we are perfect, but we're going to be like Him because we have placed our faith in Him. His blood has become our cleansing. He has become our covering and our righteousness. We are like Him. You see, in that day is going to be a beautiful moment when we get to see the Lord and He raptures the church. Now, I want to share with you that, that what matters right now is that you become a divine partaker of all that God has done for you. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 4. It says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these uh, ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you become a, a partaker of Christ. You become a partaker of all that He intends for you. And then at that moment when that trumpet sounds, you become a partaker of that event because you are like Him. This is why Jesus looked at Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse number 7 and said, Ye must be born again. You see, because we can't come to God in our own. We can't do it in our own power, in our own ability. You see, this, we must be born again. We must come to Him by faith. And tonight, the very essence of this uh, comfort only comes to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. There is no comfort for the unbeliever tonight. There is no comfort for those who have rejected God. There is no comfort for those who said, I'll get there my own way. I'll get there through a way. Listen, it is only through Jesus Christ alone that we can experience comfort. And I can never stress this enough that, that, that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, he didn't say that, that he didn't say that whosoever just believeth. He said, whosoever believeth in him, in who? Jesus Christ. Because that's the one who gave his blood. That's the one who gave his life. And tonight, God offers for you this glorious opportunity to be saved. God offers tonight this opportunity for you that you might be born again. As he talked to Nicodemus in that same passage, you must be born again. And then he shared with him, because God loves you, Christ came to die for you. You see, that's what God has done. This is what Paul says. When you do that, so shall you ever be with the Lord. You see, tonight, the invitation is for you that you might be with the Lord. I don't, there's no way, it's impossible for me to know who all will see or who all is viewing even now, who all is, it will, is under conviction, but this is what I do know. If you know Christ is your Savior, right where you're at, God offers you an invitation right now. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, the Bible says that, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man will open the door, he says, I will come. And he invites you today to know him. Would you put your faith in him tonight? Would you experience the comfort of verse number 18? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. These words that as a believer, I have great hope in heaven. As a believer, I'm looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. As a believer, I'm looking for the glories of heaven. And I don't have to fear the, the realities of hell. But if you need to be saved tonight, we want to share with you how you can do that.
I invite you to, to maybe to call or maybe to text us and to just reach out to us right now. Maybe you just want to send an email. Maybe you just, just say, listen, I, I want to know no more about how I can go to heaven. Listen, that's why we're here. We want to share with you that God says that He doesn't want you to be in hell. He didn't design that for you. He didn't design it for people. He designed it for those uh, angels and the devil and Satan who rebelled against Him. But unfortunately, when, when we choose to reject Jesus Christ because of our sin, the Bible says that we also will go there. But God says, listen, He wants you to have a way. He, he made a way, and that way is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. And so tonight, God says, will you come? Will you get the assurance that only comes through Jesus Christ? Father, we come to you, and we just thank you for the glorious reminder of the great uh, the rapture. Lord, I thank you for the reminder of the comfort, Lord, that, uh, that we have. Lord, as believers, Lord, we are so excited. I'm looking forward to the day, Lord, when I will get to see you face to face. Lord, what an incredible loving thing it is that you would choose to reach down and to catch us away, to, to pull us into your bosom and into, to close to you. And so, Father, I pray that as, as believers today, we would be comforted. Lord, we would be anticipating. But God, I pray for those that, especially tonight, that have never put their faith in Christ. That, Lord, as this little song says, are you ready? That, Lord, that tonight they would prepare their lives, they would be ready. God, I just pray for the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives that, Lord, you would continue to plead, continue to work until they truly put their faith in Christ. Thank you for the glorious work that you've done for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name.